What's up, guys? It's your boy, Johnny Bananas, and I'll be covering all the treachery, deceit, backstabbing, and murder from season two of The Traders U.S. on my podcast, Death, Taxes, and Bananas. I'll be joined all season by my fellow castmates to swap stories, provide all the behind-the-scenes antics, and sordid details from filming. So sally forth and join me for season two of The Traders every Saturday on the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome back to What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. On this week's episode, we'll be exploring our relationships with other people's friendships in pop culture. I'm with my co-host and BFF, Stephen Othello, and later I'll be talking to The Ringer's own Katie Baker, who wrote the piece that inspired this episode. But first off, as we always do, Stephen, how's your heart? Wow. How is my heart this week? So it's it's interesting because I think that you can have like the greatest day of all time and the worst day of all time <laughs> on the same day. Oh. So today I'm currently having two of those things happen to me simultaneously. Uh-huh. But I'm trying to like keep, stay close as possible to the, the great part. Okay. So I would say my day is definitely like a, like a purple. Okay. Yeah, Your like heart's a, like, a like dark a purple. purple. Oh, wow. Dark yeah. purple. That can mean a lot of things. It's so funny. I'm like, my day. I right? know. I'm, not, I'm not even we thinking about talk, my heart right now. We're about to talk about this offline. No, later. no. My heart, my heart is like a, a dark purple, which is not necessarily a bad thing because I think um I think it started out blue, but I think once you mix certain colors, it gets a little dark. Once it progresses. So, yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. how's my heart? Eh, you know, I don't know what that mm-hmm. like. I'm good. Yeah. I don't know how else to describe that feeling of just like kind of going along with whatever is happening. That's how it feels. And if I would choose a color, I would choose hmm, like a light purple. Oh, you how do you pick purple too? I you know, it just it that's just what came up. I feel that. It's just I do. it's a, a different shade, but yes. So let's get into it. Today we're talking about parasocial relationships, which by definition means like a one-sided relationship that a media user engages in with a media persona. There's other definitions, but they go a little bit like to, you know, they offer more context, but I guess that's like the most simple definition. To be honest, I really wasn't aware that this had a name until our producer, Sasha, brought it up. So we're not talking about this like in any judgmental way. The way we live now, not even the most famous person in the world is immune from like engaging with media this way. There's someone on the other end, right? And if you listen enough, you do, I guess, create some sort of connection with this person. But what we're talking about is when this connection is one-sided. Um, and what I actually think about uh, when we talk about this topic is this meme that I saw like years ago where there's this boy eating cereal and he's laughing. And behind him, I think there's like either a TV or a poster of like people laughing. So it looks like he's laughing along with them, but he's really not because that's like a whole other thing happening in the back. That's what this feels like (laughs) to me. So how do you feel, first of all, about this concept of a parasocial relationship? Well, I feel like I've been 
kind of, this is like my first time doing anything like this, like a podcast, communicating out loud. Sometimes I forget that these conversations are, that I'm, some of them are like You're really being personal. recorded? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, some of them, sometimes I actually forget that it's being recorded and I'm saying it. And even like, I have certain friends, they're like, yo, so how's, how's Erica doing? And that'll, that'll weird me out because I'm like, I never told you about this part of my life, but then I forget like, oh, you probably heard the podcast. Yeah. Or even, you know, being mindful of like, you know, the things I might be saying about my mom or my family. Right. And, or they they come back to me with something and I forgot I said that. Like, oh yeah, I said <laughs> that. I forgot. You know what I'm saying? Like I had that conversation out loud. Yeah. Um. So I'm. it's, it's kind of, it's taking me some time to get used to, but I'd say it's dope because like what's in my mind and what's, what I'm communicating outwardly is starting to match. And I like the way that feels for me. I mean, we obviously have a podcast about friendship and we are best right. friends. So when people listen, I'm assuming they are developing like a relationship with our friendship. And this is a phenomenon that I think we all experience in our interactions with pop culture, a personal investment in people and friendships we are exclusively observers of. And you mentioned that people do come up and like share or comment. Do they comment like on our friendship or our dynamic on the podcast? No, it's just more so like specifics to like things that we've talked about that might have been personal, but it'll pop up on the podcast and then it'll be said. And I'm like, how do you know this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. You know, this is something that I, I wouldn't. I, I didn't even I think didn't tell about, you this. Uh, yeah, but I didn't I even think that I s- said this out loud. And I just, I'm like, oh, okay. You start to see the dynamic between me and you that for years, about 10 plus years have been kind of this between me and you. Yes. You know, now we starting to, you start to hear it out loud. You know, they know where you come from. Yeah. Oh, the, the one that's in LA, right? Like, <laughs> sure. That's sure. actually very strange to hear. But I mean, I, I, you and I, uh, we've like joked about this, but we like don't have photos of us together online. Like, I think there's one and we don't look that great. I think it was on your birthday. I think we were both a little tipsy. Like that's the, oh, that another photo of us like at an event that you had. So we don't really like show up online together. We congratulate each other. We offer support, of course, online. So it's interesting that we went from that type of showing uh, like of our friendship to having a podcast about friendship with one another and having people listen to it and build what I'm assuming they're doing is a connection to our friendship. So it's interesting. How how do I, you go ahead? I was about to ask you the same thing. How do you, so, how do you feel? How does it feel? Yeah, how do you feel? <laughs> how do you feel about that? Um, I I I don't know. Just because we've also we're also both. We're both private people, I want to say. I mean, we do share a lot about each other. But, you know, for me, as years have gone by and I've been on the Internet for a minute now, the more private I've become of my personal life because I wasn't years ago. As you would know, like on Tumblr, I would share every emotion because that's also how I would like almost regulate my emotion. It was like therapy for me was and it still is, is writing. Now, because so much is online, I crave keeping keeping parts of myself, including parts of our friendship to myself, because I think there's something special about that, that there's still parts of this that's between us. I want to say it's just, it's an interesting surprise every time someone mentions something about, like you said, what we've shared or about our friendship or about you. Like I've had you know, to be honest, it's mostly just like colleagues or friends of mine be like, oh, yeah, you know, when Steven said this or you want to respond almost like protective of this other person. And then you take a step back and you're like, oh, I, we are sharing our friendship with people and we want to share our friendship with people. And I actually want to know what people feel and think about what we say. I just wasn't expecting to also hear <laughs> about what they feel about our friendship. You know what I mean? Like my thoughts, just like they're going to have thoughts and feels about what we talk about. But people may also have thoughts and feels about our friendship. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think it's to me, it's been healthy because, you know, I've been private and especially as of late, I've been more open. Um, And I think that's why I decided to even do something like this is because I wanted to express myself. 
this has been healthy. Like I love when I hear feedback these days. I love at once I get past the fact that people are hearing me out loud. I love it. I think it's dope because I think all we doing is speaking healthy. It's healthy yeah. shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? No, of course. And I think that's the cool part about it because I'm like, yo, on a we're connecting on a healthy level, and and we constantly learning. And then you know the feedback that we get. I know I apply a lot of the things that I hear back from some of my friends who've been listening, you know, since the beginning, I'm also listening to them. They telling me things I could do better or like the topics that, you know, we could discuss. I think that's fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause then it starts to really feel like community. Yeah. I was going to say like, so it, it's interesting because I, I'm very thankful we have listeners at all, but I, I don't think much about how it's a one-sided relationship as in they're listening and learning about us, but we aren't learning about them. And it kind of makes me sad. Because there is here an opportunity to like build community by having a relationship, like a two-sided relationship. But also, I guess that's how it works when you're podcasting or creating any type of media yourself. It is one-sided to a degree. But how much, how do you decide what to reveal about a friendship versus like what to keep private about it? Damn, that's a, that's a hard question because sometimes I chat and I pat. And that turns into a chatty patty. And so I'll, <laughs> I'll just I was start talking. What are you trying to say with that? <laughs> yeah, that turned turn me into a chatty patty. I start like, you know, You're just speaking. Uh-huh. Yeah, you have a couple glasses of wine. I'm starting to speak freer. Like, you know, <laughs> but there's certain things I like to keep private, you know, obviously health things. Um, yeah, I would say like health and like family. Same. Try to keep it as private as possible because I know it's, it's definitely sensitive. But then there's certain things I'll, I'm really, sometimes I really do just be going through shit and I be wanting some feedback. I really do. Cause you just never know. You never know who's listening that can affect your life in some sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. I, in a I positive mean, way. I, w- I would agree. I think that we talk offline all the time. These conversations that we're having, we have offline. I think the mm-hmm. only, I guess, difference is that this is a themed conversation, right? So we don't go off the deep end most of the time. But we go off the deep end all the time in our offline conversations. We love the deep end when it comes to our conversations offline. So there isn't too much of a difference. And if we're not sharing, it's more so because it might not go with what we're talking about on that episode. Yeah, Yeah, but it's not necessarily so much that we don't want to share. It's more so like it's not within theme. But I would say if there's anything that I also that I keep private, it does have to do with family not even health. I think that it's really important to, at least for, you know, the stuff that I go through with my health, that it's important to share to just for other other people to not feel alone. But it would be great to have this type of connection with people where you do hear their thoughts Mm -hmm. and feelings as well, not only about our friendship, but about their life, because then you are building, like you said, this type of community with people. But yeah, are there like any podcasts, TV, music, media that you interact with in this type of way where you have a connection to a friendship that's yeah. one-sided? Well, you know what? <laughs> this is funny. I would say like the Joe Budden podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Was probably the first pod that I listened to and it felt like friendship. And I've seen, I've been there since the beginning. So I've been there since Marissa was on the show. Mm-hmm. And then I, I've Marissa. been there when, mm-hmm. I know, right? And then I've been there when Maul joined and Rory, you know, became like a uh, present on the show as well. Then I was there when the breakup between Rory, Joe, and Maul, then it was like a soap opera. It was like sad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like to this day, because I love Joe Budden, the, the original Joe Budden podcast crew, because of the friendship, I, I, I'll, I'll watch like Best Of and laugh like like old friends, right? Like I'll be laughing like, <laughs> you're the, I remember you're back the in the meme. day. We, you're the, the guy yeah. eating cereal and there's a whole Word. thing. <laughs> I was like, I remember when we uh, when this first happened and we was all laughing. It's like a community. You'll see it in the comments when you look at the compilation videos, like uh, the connection that we had to the Joe podcast when it was Rory and Maul and Parks on the side. It was like a, a different energy because you knew it was interesting, right? Like you knew that Joe and Maul knew each other for years and you knew that Rory and Joe was a new relationship. So it's like that that 10-year relationship next to that five-year relationship next to someone that knows both of them. And that that dynamic was cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Maul knew Joe so he could check him. You know, whereas they don't check him the way they used to check him. You know? Right. 
back in the day, but we loved that because it was like balance, you know, between it all. It was funny. It was like, damn, these are, they really friends, yo. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I would say Joe Budden's, the original Joe Budden podcast. I'll name this podcast later. I, I wonder, I wonder how people feel when I bring on other friends and they look at those friendships in relation to like our friendship. I actually right. didn't think of that until right now when you were saying how there's, you were, you were viewing you were kind of following different friendships on that podcast. Facts. Yeah. Um, that made me think of Jesus and Mero as far as like, I don't like, I really don't know the backstory to be honest with you. So I don't know if the friendship ended or more so the podcast. No, the friendship ended. Yeah. That shit is done. Why, why <laughs> did the friendship end? I mean, it's so much hearsay. But You're I'd say smiling, this, right? so I know that it's spicy. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it wasn't, you know, they, they end up going from, you know, it was advice for a really yes, long time. And then they that. went to showtime. Mm-hmm. I think they this I could be messing this all up, but they had a manager, right? And the manager was I feel like Jesus didn't really rock with the manager mm, okay. as much, so Jesus broke from Merrow and left him essentially once like the deal was offline over. Also, like they are yes, no like longer they were, friends. They I don't think they were ever friends, which is kind of crazy. Let let Merrow tell it because Jesus really doesn't talk about it. Merrow's he's doing a lot of the talking respectfully. You know, he's just telling his story, his side of the story. I've never seen Jesus really say anything, but it, it doesn't seem like they were friends, friends. They just did it. They did what they had to do to make it make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Financially. But maybe they were cool because they, yeah. they met online. They didn't know each other. They, they seem like they have a childhood friendship because they come from the same neighborhood, like the Bronx and shit. But but they didn't know each other. You know what I'm saying? Up until Twitter. Yeah. So I, it always seemed like they were they were friends. Right. But they weren't like childhood friends or like friends that grew up with one another, because right. I feel like there would be so much more personal or inside type of conversation or jokes. But then again, you know, they, they also had, like you said, they went from Vice to Showtime that the things that you could probably talk about also change with platform. But yep. I in time in the timeline, yeah. you know, the time that they, you know, our 30 minutes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Changes. I clearly wasn't as invested for it. For I, I'm over here asking questions. So clearly I wasn't as invested in this friendship. But was there, I'm trying to think, but maybe you have some examples of like friendships that have broken up that made you kind of feel away because you followed them for a while. No, I would say the Joe Button was, it was the a roller prime coaster of, That was yeah. craziness. Seriously, yeah. like that. Specifically Marlon Rory or just? Yeah, the, okay. specifically Marlon Rory. Even when Marissa left, like that shit was kind of wild too. But that was so early that if you knew, you knew. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that, because you know, Joe Button went on the show uh, on Hot 97. They kind of ambushed him. And then he walked out. And then, because he had fired her, she didn't understand why she was fired. But then oh, he had to do I rem- the interview. I'm remembering this again. Yo, that was toxic the and tea at the same time. Yeah. That was terrible. So then then to now move on to Rory and Maul. And then, you know, you see, you know, I remember when they got their Spotify deal. It's like you see the up, the up, the up cycle. And it's like for it to implode, it was kind of sad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I think it was the best thing that ever happened to them because, you know, it gave Maul and Rory an opportunity to start their own thing. And I think Joe ended up figuring out his own business and then he bought in he has a friend now named Ish who's his oldest friend yeah that's on a pod and you they got that energy the energy that we want from like Rory and Maul back in the day they have this Ish and Maul I mean Ish and Joe but yeah I would say that would be my biggest example I feel like I'm definitely a fan of watching like Mason Cam talk they shit you know yeah to see Mason Cam be together makes you naturally go to Jim Jones page and see how you feel (laughs) The other so, friend. The- <laughs> yeah. That's kind of crazy when you think about it. Because he's now, he's outside. He's outside the whip. That's what we like to call it. Like he ain't in the whip no more. Everybody was driving and but riding. It, are, are Jim and Cam not friends at all anymore? <sighs> Man. Or is it just not as publicized? I don't know if they're friends anymore. That's nah. interesting. I think, it's, I think they always have respect for each other because, you know, they basically helped each other get out the hood. And they, they stories is always going to be intertwined and connected. So the respect is there in that regard. But I don't think they're friends. Do you think it's because Cam and Mace, like I'm trying to think if like <laughs> we booted one of our other close friends because of this podcast, because we talk so much. 
I mean, that's not the case on my end, but I'm wondering if like, is it because Cam and Mace now spend so much time together? But it's also a rekindled friendship if you think about it. We've talked about this. You've talked about this. But I wonder if it's because how much they now spend time together that it also kind of unintentionally pushes out time for other friends. Well, I'll tell you this. With Cam and Mace, Cam is a, a dude from Harlem that like making money. And Mace is too. You put together a proper business around that, they happy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Like they they finally, it's, it's they, they make enough for lost time, but they also doing good business together. Before we got a 101 about what parasocial relationships are, did you consider this relationship that you have with Cam and Mace or Joe Budden and the guys as a parasocial relationship, as like it being a one-sided relationship? Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those people that be like, yo, I was listening when nobody was listening. Like, I take claim on that. Yeah. For the Joe shit. I was early Joe fan. I was episode one Joe fan type shit. You know what I'm saying? Have you thought about the fact this is a one-sided relationship? Absolutely. I don't know them. I don't know. I feel like (laughs) I know Joe, But I guess the idea is that, exactly, that you feel like you know them, but they don't know know you. No, no, no. Not at all. But I do feel like I have friends that have been on the the podcast, like some of my closest friends have been on a, they're regulars on the podcast and they don't even, they don't even watch that shit as much as I watch that shit. But I will say this, when they, when they're on the podcast, I do not watch it. It's too close. (laughs) Oh, okay. So, (laughs) so you don't mind a one-sided relationship. Like you don't mind that they don't know that you are listening whatsoever. It's, you're just listening for. Yo, when my friend, when one of my close friends go on the pod, I do not watch those episodes because I almost feel like I've been going to text a mid pod like, yo, why you say that, though? Like You never I started, did that. You never said that. You didn't tell started, me that. <laughs> I start super connecting like, yo, so what did you really meant that? Like I, now my I know my comments can directly connect in, in that moment. So yeah. so I, I, I try not to listen because I'll start getting tight. Like, you know, I, I start reacting in real life. Yeah. To be honest, like uh, the thing that it's one-sided kind of, like, bothers me. It makes me a little sad. Like, so, I mean, we've both worked in media for decades. So, for me, as a writer, like, I'm familiar with putting myself out there, hoping for a connection, but it mostly feels one-sided because the interaction tends to, like, start and end with that one piece of work. So, if, like, someone is like, I really love this piece, and I say thank you, and we talk about it a little bit, it ends there, right? Like, it doesn't keep going. I don't I don't think I've built some sort of relationship with someone that's read my work or watched my work. So it's an interesting thing because I guess it is a one-sided relationship if someone has been listening or reading my work and I don't know anything about them. That's like a really strange, sad thing for me, but it's been going on now that I think about it for a while since I've been writing because I do put myself out there. And it's, it is like, I would love to have a connection with someone for someone to read it and feel a way about it. But then it kind of ends there. If you wanted to. So to me, it's like, it's all dependent on how you connect, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's also, I think it's also cause I'm, I'm introverted and uh, both of us are very sensitive about my, our art. Right. But after I publish something, I've always kind of hidden away. Like I've, I've had, right. I've interacted with people that have reached out. It's just that I'm not as great at reaching out first, but like where, who am I reaching out to, right? Like, I guess I could send out a mass generalized post, but isn't the point to be more intimate or to be like more close in order to build something with someone, especially a a stranger, really? Yeah, I like, I see, I'm different in that regard. I guess, because with my, you know, with objects, like when people reach out to me and and they give love, I give it right back. You yeah, of saying? course. But does it go any further than that? Yeah. I mean, you, you got people. I mean, I'm just speaking from my perspective. Like, I have people that are spending hard-earned money with me. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. You know, like, the relationship is strong there. Like, they trust that I'm going to send them something that, you know, I care for. And then in reality, I'm at my house making this shit with my hands. So when I see people in real life with a hat on, I'm like, I got to go up to them. This, I just did it not too long. I walked, this dude had on a, um, a hat in an event. I didn't even have the hat on. I said, yo, yo, I made that. He's like, word, this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like, I was like, yo, thank you. I really appreciate that. He was like, yo, my girl got it for me. 
I was like, damn, that's crazy. I, I do think, though, it's different when it's like you're not really. I mean, of course, I guess if you think about it, our podcast is a product that we're selling per se, right? But we also come on, have our conversations, log off, and like, I don't know. It's just still, I could see why there's one-sided relationships or parasocial relationships because of how, especially podcasting works, right? People have conversations, they put it out. People do comment and offer feedback and you respond and all that, but it also does feel like, it is, it does stay one-sided. See, I, I think it's different, honestly. It, I think it, it depends on the, the type of person you are. Like, I watch stream, Twitch streams, right? For example, like academics, uh, Twitch streams a lot. Or I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching uh, Kai, right? If Kai's doing something. Oh my goodness, uh-huh. I'm watching, you don't like Kai? I have, I have so many feelings. I don't like academics. Kai okay. is, a, you know, if I don't like Kai, it's for other reasons. Academics is just okay. the worst. All right, well, I'm just giving examples. So <laughs> Kai, for an example, right? Okay. He's he's on live for five, seven hours All the time, a, a day. it seems like, right? Yeah, right? And he's directly engaging with his fans. Like, there's a, there's a conversation happening back and forth. Like, he's reacting to songs. He's reacting to content that he's yeah. watching on, on stream. Yeah. And there's like a direct, com- like, for example, like I watched this dude. He's one of my favorite uh, streamers. His name is Sean C. He's a, a music um, reviewer, right? But now he does like video games and all this stuff. I'm constantly watching Sean. And all he does is curse his fans out all day long. That's what he does. Like, that's the, that's the, because they always making fun of him for everything. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you see the, I'm watching connection happen, right? I'm watching him react to them and he reacts. Sometimes he's he's like, he'll do like a, a episode where he's like, yo, I'm react, I wanna react to your outfits. And then people will send mad That's pictures dope. of it, their outfit and he'll talk about it, usually shitting on their outfits because he's a jerk. <laughs> but but yeah, I guess but the, the I guess the difference there. is I, I guess I'm overthinking the depth of the connection, right? Cause I uh, at least, I mean, especially with writing, like I definitely do have this like interaction or communication with other people, whether it be strangers or like colleagues. But I think it's more so of thinking of how far this interaction or connection goes for it to be a friendship. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess it varies on like the type of friendship you're trying to yeah. build with people. If we created a, a, a space for people to communicate, they're going to communicate. If you build it, they'll come, right? So if, say we said, yo, we're going to create a Reddit and said this is the for the for the lovers only or you know and it's our reddit you'll see converse, you'll see community start to shape and if we have an, a, an opinion in there we creating content in there then you'll see the and then we brought that content to the podcast and you'll start to see it form so it's it's on us like if you want communication we got to communicate with them you know what i'm saying yeah i'm i'm saying you know what i'm saying a lot today i tell you, you are that. but it's okay because i Christ. do know what you're saying um you you talk about this uh sean c off like offering criticism of his band's outfits it made me think also of how we do pretty much every time we put our art like we create art and share it we are opening ourselves up for like judgment and criticism because pretty much anyone from anywhere could see this. Like, have you ever thought about that? That we are kind of opening our friendship up, actually, for criticism and judgment? Yeah, absolutely. I'm good. <laughs> I, I like things. I like, I like dialogue. I like communication. Like, I like, uh, I'm never one of those people that, like, shuts things down openly. I, I'm, I'm so fluid in thought. So I'm, I want to have conversations. I want to hear different perspectives. You know what I'm saying? So feedback to me is tight, whether it be good or bad, because I don't think there's no such thing as bad feedback unless it's just hate. Yeah, no, no, that's very, that's very true. Um, and I think, honestly, anybody listening to us right now, is it's all love, you know what I'm saying, for the most part. Yes. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that when I've gotten feedback, it's been more so of like, I loved when you said this or I love when Steven said this, like, I want to hear more about that. And I'm like, oh, that's dope. Like, I think someone mentioned how, like, you give a whole other different, more, like, a very personal perspective. And I'm like, all right, I'll let, like, Steven know that. Like, I think, you know, this was a friend of mine. Definitely let me know that, but thank you. <laughs> I did Jesus tell Christ. you that. Oh, my bad. 
I said it was a, a guy friend that had a, a comment of like, oh, it's good to hear someone from like Harlem talk about stuff that they know on like as if it's just a, a regular conversation. But that's the thing. It is a regular conversation. We do most of the time are OK with the fact that other people are listening to what we're saying. Well, it sounds like that we're more open to have to building a community from this podcast and not having it stay as a one sided relationship. Yeah, I mean, that's. I think that's the, the natural progression of anything. Yeah. I don't think, like, until this episode that I also thought of that question of, like, if it's ever made me think differently or it's made me take a step back. What has made me, like, look at our friendship a little bit more closely is working together. But I think that happens every time we work together of, like, we work differently or we work differently ourselves and it changes and we have to, like you say a lot, update one another or, you know, things like that. But I don't think anyone has ever said anything or even the thought of our podcast that people are listening has made me think or like analyze or our friendship. Mm-mm. No, I don't think so. There's very few things that we don't talk about on the podcast that we do talk about in real life. Like these are pretty much how our conversations go. Right. A little bit. Actually, a little deeper. In a sense, because yeah, like, for sure. yeah. But I think the reason why like our friendship shines so bright hmm. when we like talking out loud is because like we've had the hardest conversations and in, in behind the closed doors. You know, some people don't really have those conversations in the back neither. Mm-hmm. We've we've had That's conversations true. where we've been able to argue or like not agree or you know I've been able to like give you some understanding on where I'm at in my life at that moment. When I've hurt your feelings and when you've hurt my feelings. And when I've and I've been able to say, like, yo, you've hurt my feelings, or this made me feel something, and you've been able to uh respect it or sometimes not. Cause you know, you don't have you know, you don't agree on everything on, you know, how I feel, you know. Well, that's different. I mean, uh how if if I hurt your feelings, that is valid. Doesn't matter if I believe that or not. That is your right, those right. are your that's feelings. That's what I mean, yeah. Um, but yeah, that makes me think of like the podcast that we did mention, right? Like how much our heavy or real conversations happening offline that actually like feeds the 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 friendship online. Um I didn't even think about that. I mean we even talked about right like are these friendships really friendships or are they really friendships offline? But yeah. Is there any any more thoughts about parasocial friendships? I probably won't no. use that phrase after this episode. It's such a, it's I, such a can weird. Can we rename it? Is like can we come I just up with keep a saying name? one-sided relationships, but that also makes me sad. But yeah, yeah that's really, really jiggy. <laughs> No, because we don't want this to be a one-sided relationship. That's why we have an email. Uh, all right, I'm gonna figure. I'm gonna figure out the new name. <laughs> um. All right. Thank you for sharing your thoughts and feels, Stephen, with me. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go talk to Katie about her article that got me thinking about this topic to begin with. Peace. This episode is brought to you by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff, with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Joining me today is The Ringer's very own senior staff writer, Katie Baker. Katie, nice to meet you. This is the first time we've met. Yeah, I, now I have a new friend. <laughs> <laughs> How's your heart? It's something we ask all our guests. 
Um, it's actually doing well. Uh, <laughs> had a great weekend with uh, my family. My kids were yeah. We're in a good mood all weekend. So, you know, whatever the version of happy wife, happy life is for kids, for that kids. me right now. <laughs> You're running with it as fast as you can, for as long as you can. <laughs> so on this week's episode, as you know, we're discussing parasocial relationships, which your actually your latest ringer piece on the podcast, uh, Las Culturistas Inspired. Parasocial relationship is a phrase I knew about, but I didn't... I've never dissected it at a capacity that we have on this episode or are going to until our producer, Sasha, import us to. And as someone who has a podcast with their best friend, my co-host is my best friend. It's an interesting topic to really like get into and think about. But let's first talk about, I guess, the friendship that we love and brought us here last Culturistas which is a, a podcast hosted by best friends and comedians slash actors, Matt Rogers and Bo and Yang, where they talk about pretty much all entertainment, right? Like reality TV, music, movies, internet culture, anything that interests them. They also do interviews and they share a lot about their lives and their friendship. And you recently interviewed them, but first, like, what is it about their friendship that drew you in? Yeah. So in, in addition to writing about them, I'm also a huge fan of the podcast, which is why I wanted to write about them. And I think what drew me in, I don't know, there's a movie called Kicking and Screaming by Noah Baumbach. And it's about all these like old friends and, and they go to college and, and everyone always says to them, you guys all talk the same. And I was thinking about how in, with my friendships, how we all kind of talk the same and it's, I think it's that kind of intimacy that drew me into their podcast because they definitely talk the same. They have all <laughs> kinds of catchphrases, you know, just inside jokes that have developed over the years. And I think the podcast really just paints a picture of two best friends um, who are always going, you know, going through life and that's with highs and lows, but they always kind of come back together and they're very transparent about their friendship and their lives. And so, yeah, I just kind of got hooked. And then, you know, once you listen to one episode, when you listen to the second, you're like, oh, I know this joke. And yeah. all of a sudden you're in, you know? Yeah. I I guess I didn't really think about that, that after you've listened to a couple episodes, you're now in it with them because of the, like, I guess, inside jokes that they let you in on or just how they talk to one another, which is how they talk to each other offline. But I think what makes this friendship so special to me is just how they love up on each other. Like how also they like hold each other accountable and build each other up in real time online, which is felt as if it's exactly how it happens offline. And I think when I talked to my co-hosts, my best friends, even about these parasocial relationships, I feel like the difference that we saw within the ones that we were drew, that we were drawn to was you could tell that there were some they act as if they have known each other for so long, as if they were like childhood friends. And of course, in this case, they've known each other for years now. And you can feel that. And I feel like usually the parasocial relationships are usually made when it's those type of, like that type of relationship is felt. I don't know how you think about that. Yeah. I mean, I think there's just such an authenticity to it, yeah. um, you know, that you feel like, I, not only I could be their friend, but <laughs> yeah. I already am their friend because <laughs> yeah. they're my friend. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's kind of, to me, the, what that relationship is all about is that you think to your, you know, you listen to them all the time and, and you just start to start to think, you know, someone. Um, and I think it happens a lot with people who are presenting such an authentic and transparent, you know, facade or, or, or have no facade, I should say. Because you, you, it exacerbates that where you're like, well, I really do know them because this is how they are. Exactly. So. Yeah. I know for me, like, I think what's made this, their podcast uh, successful is, of course, like the friendship is at the core, but the humor and like, I guess the pop culture references, I think is what draws a wide range of audience. Why do you think their podcast in particular has been successful as far as like podcasts around friendship? Yeah. So I think um, there's a couple of things. Um, one of their longtime friends and collaborators is um, another comedian and actor named Joel Kim Booster. And 
when I interviewed him for this piece, he wrote me, first of all, he wrote me like the most long, amazing answers <laughs> that really spoke. I feel like I was on the podcast with the three of them or something. Um, but what he, one thing he said was, they used to talk about culture and now yeah. in many ways they are the culture. That is for the reason that they've both been very successful in their careers. They met in kind of NYU sketch comedy world. And now Bowen is a very featured player on SNL. Matt has um, made a great career as sort of a multi-hyphenate singer and uh, <laughs> yeah. performer and actor. Um, so you're seeing like this progression of their careers and that's not without um, conflict. Like Bowen, they both tried out for SNL and Bowen made it and Matt didn't. And they talked about it on the podcast. And I mean, you can't really get more transparent and like more real than that. Like that sort of, you know, and, and like you said, they love up on each other. And so Matt was obviously so happy and so genuinely happy for Bowen, but you can also be happy and at the same time, you know, have your own emotions. And then that came through and it was really riveting to listen to. Yeah. I remember in that piece uh, that you wrote when they were talking about that SNL of like they both uh, auditioned and only Bowen got the role or I guess was casted. And I think it was Bowen that said something about like after the fact, he was like, I guess like the reality of feeling so like alone or like abandoned by Matt, but it wasn't like intentional. He would, he would, you know what I mean? But the fact that they went through that and I think that that's, that's not something that you usually hear someone admit about a friend, first of all, and then in front of, I don't know how many listeners, right, at this point, like you mentioned the Spotify streams in your piece, but I guess that goes to your point of like how transparent they are. And there's like another quote that Joel said to you, he says, it's the candor and the transparency that both of them have approached the show with that that really makes it compelling to listen to. It's a rare thing to watch two close friends work through bumps in the road in real time over the course of many episodes, which I guess like really speaks to the vulnerability with which they approach the show with and like sharing themselves with the audience. So I think that's like to your point of like, you're not only in on the jokes, you're like in on like the bumps that they overcome together, which is something you don't get a lot. Yeah, and you're and you see, you know, for example, in earlier episodes you know, Matt's talking about how obsessed he is with Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's like on the Kelly Clarkson show. And, and again, I feel like I'm like, good job, Matt. <laughs> even though I don't, you know, even though I'm not um, a friend of his, yeah. but I, it does feel like someone that I know had, ha, you know, had success. Yeah. What was it like interviewing like the people whose friendship, you know, and love? It was an interesting balance between, you know, wanting to be a well-prepared reporter yeah, yeah. and wanting to know the law and, and knowing the lore, but not wanting to get creepy about it. Um, I remember, I think there was like one time where I, I kind of like referenced the joke yeah. and, and you know, it, it's like, you don't want to be the person that, that says the joke that everyone says. So that was, but you know, they were wonderful and warm and they seemed very similar to how they are on the show, even though they were both exhausted but yeah, it was, I, I was more nervous for that interview than I was to interview Jodie Foster. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, Jodie. But yeah, that's, that's, um, that's so interesting because of just like, I think in our fields, we do interview people that we admire and we're also journalists. So I remember the feeling of like nerding out during an interview and it was with like Missy Elliott. And I was just like, please. Oh, wow. Tell me, like, like I wanted to go through the entire her entire videography, and I'm like, she's probably annoyed at me by this point because she's probably talked about this like in some kind of degree. But I was like, that I'm a huge fan of her like creativity in her mind. That I'm after the fact, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm such a nerd. It's it's a, a weird feeling. Do you have um, your own, like, do you have people that are your Matt and Bowen or, or as a podcaster, you, yeah, <laughs> I don't, you know, to have a, <laughs> I don't think I have had that type of relationship. Like I know Deces and Marrow is a podcast uh, that people talk about as far as like the friendship. One thing that we've talked about was they weren't, they became friends on the internet, which is not, you know, to say that's not, I mean, that's a great way to like have a friendship start and be nourished. But like, I thought that it seemed as if because of their dynamic that they've been friends for so long. So it's such a strange thing to know that they weren't. So I, it goes back I to actually like, didn't know that. I thought that they were like, right. Like because of friends. their dynamic. But I think it's also because <laughs> yeah. of their individual personalities where they could just kind of like be on during the interview. 
But I, I think it goes back to like, I think you're more, you feel more connected with a friendship when they've been friends for a long time and you can like feel it. I think something I, I think of also like listening to Matt and to Bowen of just, of just like more so, I'm not a day one. And I know there's like categories, especially after reading your piece. So I <laughs> I wouldn't have the audacity to claim myself as any of them. But I think what's special about that friendship for me that I like that I'm drawn to is just kind of how it feels as if people have grown alongside them. It's a, also like a friendship that you want to have for yourself with your friends. I don't know if you feel that way or how you like connect their friendship with your friendships. No, I th- I agree, especially because when you look at a lot of the guests that they've had, yeah. it started out as, you know, their buddies from NYU Improv. And now a lot of these people are, you know, major showrunners or writers or comedians. Um, so the entire, you know, it's not just the two of them, it's the entire expanded universe has kind of grown up and so, yeah. And I do think there's like, I remember this is going to sound silly, but I remember there was an episode where they were talking about some kind of like toe fungus that one of them has <laughs> and like really. And the other one was like, yeah, your toes are always like this. And it was just such this honest <laughs> way that like you like to be able to say that. Yeah. Not just to the world, but to each other. Like, um, I don't know. That really spoke to like their, their true closeness to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think something that also Steve and I talked about is that we, I mean, we sometimes have conversations before we even record. So our podcast conversation is probably our second one of the day. And the only reason we don't go off the deep end on our episodes is because they're themed. But other than that, we're pretty much sharing things that we would share to each other on the conversation we just had. So I think that's also why we tend to forget after the fact that people are listening. It's almost just like a uh, you know, we talked about how sometimes people have brought up certain things that the other one says, and we almost get like defensive for our friend. But we said that, <laughs> like, why are we getting like, why are we getting protective? And it's just an interesting that I guess, again, like the concept of a parasocial relationship is really interesting. What did you learn about like their end of a parasocial relationship from talking to them? Well, it's it's funny that you mentioned like feeling defensive of a friend yeah. because there's so much of that with them. And also like with, with Joel, who I spoke with, um, he said something about, I had found a, a like a Reddit post, um, where he's defending them in the Las Patristas <laughs> Reddit. And I was like, and I was like, is this, is this actually you? And he was like, yep, it's me. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I'm used to getting my own hate or, you know, criticism yeah. or whatever. Um, but when I see it about my friends, like those are my friends. And so he goes in and he's very polite, but he sort of corrects the record sometimes. Um, and I feel like you get that with Matt and Bowen too. They, they are d- defensive of one another. Um, one thing that Matt said to me was, you know, they've had to learn that these people aren't their friends yeah. and that's not a mean thing to say. It's just the truth. And, you know, they only spend, I spend what, an hour a week listening to Matt and Bowen and, I think I know everything about them and that's a testament to their show, but yeah. um, Yeah. So I, that's kind of what I learned from them. Um, I think they've also realized what's interesting is that as they've become more popular and, you know, more bold faced names now, when there's news about them, it like hits page six or they're, you know, it just kind of gets picked up. And I think now they almost, they realize that their, their listeners, even though they can be a handful sometimes have, you know, have their, like a good heart. Whereas there's this whole other realm of media and, and following that doesn't. And that's kind of a new thing that they're now dealing with. Yeah. I I think I remember uh, that's when, was it Bowen that mentioned that uh, on the podcast, he said he was taking a break for his mental health, but he wasn't, he was prepared for listeners to have some sort of like thoughts and feelings about it, but he wasn't prepared for the media that our listeners to have and like print something about it. And like, that's also, I thought that was interesting because again, it's like I mentioned, like sometimes you forget that you're saying what you're saying because you're so used to talking to this person and you are aware that people are listening. I guess you also, I, I don't think about how many people may be listening in order to not like censor myself or stress myself out and just get anxious. So I only can imagine where they're like, oh yeah, I did 
say that. And it was true and I meant it, but like that was an interesting thing. And I guess it goes even with the toe fungus. Like it's it's honest, <laughs> like it's your best friend. So of course you're going to say this. You're totally okay with people knowing. But then after the fact, you're like, oh, I guess this was what happens. And I'm assuming, like you said, the more popular or the more successful they get in their fields, like the more, I guess, different type of listeners there are, which is understandable. What, what stuck out to me thinking about it was how like the expectations of a podcast and there's sort of this expectation of, you know, regularity and getting updates on, you know, from, from the listener. Mm. So, cause I was thinking if, if, if it was just SNL for Bowen, for example, and he needed to take, you know, a couple of weeks off to clear his mind and, and get, you know, and just whatever it is, he, he could kind of just not be on the show for a few weeks. And, and I feel like it wouldn't really be, it would be like, oh, he's, he's just, you know, he's just working on some other things right now. But with the podcast, it's almost like, well, if you're not going to be on the podcast, the listeners are going to want to know why. Yeah. And so it's almost this, yeah, it's almost like even though SNL is a, is a, bigger platform, I feel like you could kind of live in a little bit more obscurity than you almost can if you have a really popular podcast that people are just like waiting for the next installment all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That also makes me think of, you know, like, and even when we were trying to schedule this episode, like last week, I had like a two day migraine. And I think in the past I wasn't able to record because of my migraines. And my thought was just like, that's not cool. Like I'm not being like, I'm not consistent with the output. Like, even though I mentally and physically couldn't like it was I did think of you know my co-host I thought of my producer and I thought of like the listeners I don't know how many listeners personally like we have at the at this very moment but I guess that goes back to like it being like how one-sided is the parasocial relationship when you do think of your listeners or I guess how intimate and I think I, I have this like, quote that Matt told you. He said, it becomes more and more apparent that the nature of the relationship between the listener and the person doing the podcast, it's an intimate one, but it can't be an intimate one on our end, which I think is, I guess what bothers me about parasocial relationships is like wanting to have this, like to build a community. And I do think they have built a community with their listeners. So it is like a two-sided relationship, but he's right. They, he can't, they can't give as much as they probably can, because how does that work? I don't know what you think about that. Well, when he when he said that to me, it it reminded me of um, there's a song by Boy Genius called "Bite the Hand," and it just made me think of that song because the lyrics are like, "I can't hear you, you're turf, you're too far away. I can't see you, the lights in my face." And then she says, "I can't touch you. I wouldn't, if, and I wouldn't even if I could." It's like <laughs> I don't want to touch you, and you know she's kind of singing to the audience there. Yeah. She's singing to me. She's you know big boy genius fan. Yeah. Um, but I just um, and you know the chorus of the song is "I can't love you how you want me to." And when Matt said that about the intimacy going one way, I just like started thinking about that song, and it really is. You know, it, you could be a performer on stage. You could be a podcaster. I was kind of trying to think of my own history. I definitely have had a lot of these relationships in my life. Um, I think partly because I've always been a big like internet user and I feel like commenter culture is mm. kind of parasocial culture by yeah. nature. <laughs> That's very true. Um, yeah. And so like, and you know, you know, like, let's be honest, like the ringer founder, Bill Simmons is a man who inspires so much parasocial very um, true. feelings from all kinds of listeners who just believe that they know him or believe that they could probably walk up to him and crack a joke and they're in on the joke. And, um, you know, I, I used to read Bill and I felt that way myself. So yeah, it was interesting. I was also thinking about like, sometimes it can be fictional characters. I thought about like Abby and Alana from Broad City. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I don't know something about that them. And again, there's sort of a very, there's a, a depth to their friendship where you, you know, the characters and the and the real people, but you just feel like they that they're so authentic and thus, you know, they would be my friend too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned like other friendships in pop culture that you have a like a, I guess a relationship too. What are like the qualities of a friendship that attracts you to form a parasocial friendship? I think like uh kind of if there's an actor, for example, and you see them on the street and they're not nice to you. You're, you're like, okay, they're an actor. They're not their character. Um, but you know, when you have people that are 
just playing themselves and you see them on the street and they act differently than you expect, all of a sudden you start to wonder like, is that not their real personality? When in fact, they just could be like trying to go to the drugstore or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, but, you know, I think that like knowing that they are real people with real lives, real disappointments, real toe fungus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, that always, and, and, you know, kind of having, I think it also helps when there's different archetypes of, of person so that you start to think, oh, I'm more of a Bowen or I'm more of a Matt. Yeah. You know, I always think of like the babysitter's club yes. um, was like, you know, you, you would choose which one, you which one you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like that I've definitely if if we're talking of those type of friendships like I for sure have had like parasocial relationships with like more I guess this is like a celebrity friendship that we are talking about but in uh just more like what I've seen on screen and definitely what I've read like the babysitters club is uh, like a great one like you can connect with the friendship you connect with like the actual person how like does it feel like to you to be in a parasocial relationship with a person or in this case in with the friendship. I think like I'm like I said I I I think I by nature I'm just someone that you know I don't like suddenly start stalking someone but <laughs> no, that's a whole I just get really yeah. I love to get involved and comment on you know back in the day um, I mean part of how I even found myself in this career is that I wasn't afraid to to be, you know, a reply guy on someone's blog and comment all the time. And then, so, and then I lived in New York City, and then I actually met some of them. Yeah. And, um, but it began with me just, you know, thinking I was friends with them. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's the problem. It worked out. So now I just think that and like I can do work this. Out always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I I it's funny because even in the sub in the Lost Culturistas Reddit that uh, that Joel had to go police they know that they're like that and they will self-police themselves most of the time. And it's really funny because you can see them, you can see a conversation starting to get a little too personal or a little too speculative. And someone will say, all right, we're being parasocial again. And so it's kind of almost become like part of the give and take in some way. (laughs) That's so interesting. I do like respect that about this type of friendship or relationship is I guess it's more of we're all being very realistic as to like the appreciation of the friendship and like how much it it actually makes us feel like more human and I really do like that and I guess that it like you said and I really didn't think about that it is connected to like the comments section like when you comment on something especially that if you loved it's just more of like an expression of gratitude and just feeling seen and I think that's what I do really really appreciate about these type of relationships is that even though like the, you know, like Matt said, it can't really be intimate from their end. They're still very appreciative and like do connect with their listeners, especially with like their live shows and things like that. So I like that, I guess, like I said, the appreciation and like the respect that both sides have for one another. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned this briefly before, but um, you know, one of the sort of recurring bits of lingo on the podcast involves the listeners and they have different kind of a taxonomy of listeners and they have different names for them. And again, it's kind of, it almost makes it more fun for the listeners, but it, but it also does show that they are paying attention to who their listeners are, what they're like. And I don't know, I think that's appreciated by the listeners. It does, even if they're not, they don't feel, you know, intimate friendships the same way that, you know, it goes the other way. Um, there's still a respect, a mutual respect on all sides. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything else you wanted to add? I just, uh, yeah. I mean, it was funny to think about how many people like at the ringer that have podcasts, you know, probably deal with these things too. Um, plenty of readers that, especially now that there's like live shows and that sort of thing. And like that only makes the the, t- the attraction feel like more real. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it can obviously get taken to a bad place. I mean, yeah. like I said earlier, I just read about Jodie Foster who had a stalker that tried to kill the president to get her attention um, when she wild. was a freshman in college. Yeah. Um, so that can happen. But I do think, um, I think of it as somewhere like not quite Stan culture, like a little more, a little less performative maybe, but just like actually engaging with the work and through the work, feeling a connection, um, you know, to the the artist or the the host or whatever it is. Yeah. It feels like a community that like the 
in this case, Bowen and Matt come in and out of, but they're still a part of and is still being built like because yeah. of them, but yeah. even without them, which I think is pretty special. Um, yeah, and no, I, I agree. after talking to you and after even exploring it with Steven, I, I now have a new appreciation for it because of how much it is connected to like the common section culture or like things like that, that we could all connect to. Um, I appreciate you like coming on and talking to me and, you know, for everyone listening, if you guys have any thoughts or feels about this topic, email us at whataboutyourfriendspod at gmail.com. Katie, before we go, where can our listeners read your work? All of it is on theringer.com. Thanks for, thanks for reading and listening. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. Talk to everyone next week.